Have you heard of ChatGPT, the AI-powered language model that's transforming education? In this podcast episode, Claire and I explore the use of ChatGPT in the classroom, discussing its potential to enhance teaching and learning. We share examples of how this technology can be used to provide personalized learning experiences, assist with grading and assessment, and foster critical thinking skills in students. We also address ethical considerations and offer practical tips for teachers looking to incorporate ChatGPT into their teaching practice. Whether an educator or simply interested in the latest developments in education technology, this episode is a must-listen. Enjoy! Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Claire. What are you up to? I, I'm doing well. <laughs> what am I up to? And my mind went into like a million different directions. So <laughs> I don't even know where to start. <laughs> okay. Uh, name one thing that you are up to. <laughs> um, well, we were just talking about it and it's on my mind, which is this new thing that has come out and taken over everything that we talk about, which is ChatGPT. Oh, yes. Artificial <laughs> intelligence. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Where are you on that bandwidth? I am generally a very positive person, and that is how I am approaching this. I introduced it to a fellow grad student yesterday. I'm going to tell you how that went. <laughs> okay. And so I feel like I keep talking about it to people, and they're like, what? You, what? What's chat GTP? What? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, sit down. So this is what I do. <laughs> A grad student in science education. And I'm like, how have you not heard of this? Mm-hmm. And I asked her, well, what are you working on right now? She said, I'm trying to write a practitioner article on high school teachers implementing Ohm's law. How do you teach Ohm's law to high school students? And I'm like, perfect. So I asked this AI program. So it's literally just a chat. You have a conversation with this artificial intelligence. It's really creepy. And I asked it, write me an article about Ohm's law, including hands-on activities and aligned to next generation science standards for high school level. And I handed her the computer and she was blown away. She was like, oh my gosh, it aligned it to this. I didn't even know which standards I was supposed to use. Like it told her the exact standards. It gave her sources. It gave her literature to reference. Like it was incredible. But her reaction was, uh, I don't like it. <laughs> like she was terrified of it. She's like, this is going to take away my job. Kids aren't even going to have to think. They're going to be cheating on all their homework. We're no longer going to need to be critical thinkers because we just put it in this AI and it'll do all the work for us. So hers was a very negative reaction. <laughs> I see so much potential with it, though. What do you think? I completely agree. I mean, I'm kind of on the side of like technology is fascinating to me and I'm always embracing it. And as a kind of an analogy, I live out in the country and there's a whole bunch of wind farms that went up recently. And a lot of people are like, oh, I hate it. It's ruining our view. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Look at the technology. Look at what we're doing with clean energy. And so I think, you know, it just depends on what your background is. And I think where you want to go or where you want to see the future generation go as to what you, what, how you view this. And I think that 
we should be embracing it and teaching students how to use it. I think back to our like high school days. I don't know if you had your math teachers approach calculators the way that mine did, but they were all like, you cannot use calculators because you if you use it, you will die by the calculator. <laughs> like it's it's cheating. You won't understand how to do stuff. You'll never get to use a calculator. And I'm like, no, I, I use a calculator like anytime I need to calculate anything. But if you, you have to teach them how to appropriately use it. I wish right. my math teachers would have said, okay, let's use our calculators. But you also need to know if the answer that the calculator is giving you is reasonable. And right. that's why you need to know how to do it by hand. Well, same thing with AI, right? We need to know how to ask good questions and we need to know what answers to expect in order to see, well, did the answer they give us, is that reasonable? Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Because obviously there's going to be flaws and biases. I think the calculator analogy is perfect because if you don't put in the equation correctly, it'll give you the wrong answer. It's not the calculator's fault. <laughs> it's the user's fault. I remember high school having the TI-89. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. I loved it. And our teacher, like my math teacher embraced the calculator. And so she taught us how to use it and like all the great ways that you could graph things and really get a lot out of it. I think that really helped. And then it became a useful tool when you went into engineering, right? Because of course we use calculators in engineering because we can do things that humans are unable to calculate on paper. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same thing. We now embrace calculators. I hope those math teachers now (laughs) use calculators in their classroom. It's similar to like coding, right? Because we can code different mathematical equations using different tools and those tools just keep getting better and better. And I haven't seen much backlash on this evolution of coding and how that's gotten more improved, but there is a huge backlash to ChatGPT because it's hitting us in a place we didn't expect. We thought that these um, like car mechanics or building cars, those type of jobs would be taken over by robots because the robots would be building the cars. Instead, it's the creatives that are afraid. It's those that are the artists that are the writers, that are the curriculum writers like us, mm-hmm. where AI is in our space <laughs> because I can write, give me a lesson plan on sound for fourth grade using the 5e learning cycle aligned to NGSS and it will do it. It's not perfect, but it's getting better and it's learning from our feedback. And so I think that's why there's such a fear of it because it's something we just did not anticipate at least in our lifetime to be available to use you're so right so how are we going to help people embrace it in the right way and use it correctly because the fear is that people are using it incorrectly right so in order to do that we don't ban it we teach them how to use it correctly so what does that look like Right. And there is a great podcast from the How I Built This series where they interview the founder of OpenAI, who's behind ChatGPT. I highly recommend it. And he talks on his philosophy on what he sees the future of AI and how he's a very positive approach to, I see so many great things coming for our world. So I recommend starting with that podcast. My personal opinion is using it to improve our lives, but technology, we as humans have faults. (laughs) And so it can be used in negative ways, just like social media. We've 
initially were like, social media is amazing. And now it's turned into some dark places and causes a lot of chaos in a lot of people's lives. And there's online cyberbullying, right? Things like that. And so we have to do what we can to regulate it. And that's going to come from the companies that are creating AI. But as an educator, helping the students, now we have Google. How do we use Google? Oftentimes students just throw in something. They don't know if it's a reputable source. Teachers need to help them. Oh, okay, Wikipedia might not be the most reputable source. It has some good stuff. But where is it getting that information? Looking at universities and physics labs, right, to generate science knowledge. That's the same for ChatGPT. Asking it questions that help the students, but not it being the you know, everything can be learned from Chappie I don't need to do anything. I don't have to think at all. It's one, we, the teachers need to be on board before we can even talk about how we get, you know, our students prepared to use it. Yeah, you're right. And I think the interesting part is a lot of people and students are using it for research. So like gathering information, but how are you going to source that? And so I think it's important to teach students to ask for the sources as well as where that information is coming from and then go to those places. I mean, it's a great resource. It's just like Google, like you said, like if you want information, you just type it into Google and that's how a lot of people start with their research. We'll use that with chat GPT. I keep wanting to say GDP. That's oh. not what it is. <laughs> um, but I, I think I think you're right on as far as learning how to ask the, the right kind of questions. I think that's where you start. And that's what we should be teaching students anyway. And we have several podcasts that um, delve deeper into that concept. But how could you actually assign a homework assignment maybe to help students be able to utilize this new artificial intelligence correctly? All right, I did it. You want me to oh, know more? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I brought it up in my class that I teach. This is pre-service teachers. They want to be elementary and middle school teachers and they're sophomore juniors. And I was like, has anybody heard of this? And most of them had never heard of it. One girl raised her hand and she said, I actually had ChatGPT write a cover letter for a job I applied to and I got the job. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, great use. Nobody else had a clue. So one of their homework questions, we were learning about electricity and they did this little simulation on static electricity. And I wanted them to explain it to a fourth grader. I was like, you weren't going to teach fourth grade someday. How would you explain it to a fourth grader? And a lot of them were stumped. They're like, well, I don't know. I don't know what words they don't know already. How do I make it developmentally appropriate? Mm. ChatGPT can do it. You can actually take any text, import it and ask it to write it for fourth graders, for 12th graders, for whatever age, and it will modify the language in a way that's appropriate. And so I shared that with them and it is really good. Like it tells it almost like a story when it's for younger kids. Hmm. It tries to give a lot of analogies and relate it to things that are in a student's life to help them better understand it. And so for their homework this week, um, we're doing sound. And so I gave them an example of how they could use AI. And I said, okay, I want you to ask it. I gave it a prompt and then it was related to sound. I think it was explain sound, include amplitude and frequency. And then they had to verify if it was correct based on what we learned in class. So I'm still mm. asking them that you're the expert. You know what the content is. Was it correct? A lot of times in class, they ask me questions I don't have time to answer. So one question I didn't get to was, can sound travel in space? 
Mm. Ask ChatGPT to explain that. Why or why not can sound travel in space? And it's a really great place for you to have this like back and forth. It's like having a conversation with a really smart person and they're really confident, but they're not always right. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be careful, but it's like a brainstorming tool. That's how I love using it. And I think it would be fun if we talk here for a minute on like what are potential uses of chat GPT? Like what have you used before, Claire? Uh, I don't know if I should say this, but it's written introductions for me for papers in grad school. Blog post? I I used it for an intro on a blog post? Yes. I mean, it helped me teach one of my kids, like my actual kids, about um, some math concept because I had it write a song. I was like, explain long division, but as a song. And it wrote it for me, which is really cool. Um, Oh, I have a good one. Okay, go. (laughs) Okay. Hope my dad's not listening. I may have written a poem for his birthday no. using ChatGPT. That's brilliant. He loved the poem. <laughs> Beautiful. That's, I know. Took you a long time, I'm sure. That is very thoughtful. <laughs> and that's where I at first was like, write me a poem for my dad. And it was terrible. But then I told it more information to my dad on things he liked mm. and that he's Greek and he's really into Alexander the Great and all these <laughs> like specific details that it could then add to the story. So again, it's like the future, like the future jobs are going to be who can ask the best question <laughs> yes. in a way that gets the answer you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you could have it recipes it could be used for fun stuff like that um you could actually tell it these are the ingredients i have my house i want to keep it under 2000 calories give me some recipes that's brilliant oh i'm totally going to use that yes or easy like i only have 20 minutes i have 20 (laughs) minutes all i have are these two ingredients give me something gourmet (laughs) i'm gonna try this out the funny thing is though is that with most prompts you need to be kind of the expert in order to figure out, is it reasonable or not? Well, with cooking, like you won't know till you make it. Yeah. So this could be That's a really terrible. fun, this is a really fun assignment. I think I'm going to see well, how bad it could be. Uh, that's funny. I will, I will say though, there are some limitations to this. We should talk about the limitations because that's what, something that students need to know as well. And the creator did come up with some things to make sure that people aren't using this for some sort of ill intent. So you can't ask it for like military strategies to mm-hmm. um, wage war against somebody else. It does try to prevent some bullying. So, um, but I did see that there was an error because somebody asked it and they posted this on Twitter. They said, give me a joke about women. And it came back and said that it basically would not because it's not going to do anything derogatory towards women. So then he asked, well, give me a joke about men. And it gave a pretty good joke. about men. <laughs> so, so there might be some coded bias in there. <laughs> this is a little. Actually, that's a good point because it's, it, okay, if you listen to this podcast with the creator, they don't really know how it works, which is the scary part, right? Mm-hmm. It's creating unique answers to your question, like give me a joke. And that's like, how does that work? And so it's based off of, I think this version, maybe it's through 2019, I don't remember, but it's not live. So it's not live scanning the internet. So if you ask it a question that has happened recently, it's not going to know the answer. And then it's building off of 
what has happened kind of in the past. Um, and it's based on what we know and our biases. So it's going to give an answer that it thinks you want based on what it knows of what, how humans have inputted in the web. Right. Yes. So that's weird to think about. So yes, broken people have provided the data that this is using to spit out answers to broken questions. So there you go. Dangerous yeah. a little bit. Yes. So I think it'll be fun to have some sort of assignment for your students. Um, any listeners out there want to assign something like figuring out a recipe would be really fun. Uh, There's an English teacher I saw on TikTok who did this with her high school class. And so she used ChatGPT to help them write essays. And it asks, like, write me an essay about Shakespeare. And so she wouldn't let them access it, but she gave them the output. So they asked the question oh. and then she handed them the output and then they use class time to edit it. And oh. so she was like, think of this as a tool, but you need to now make it a good essay because it wasn't. <laughs> and so that was a really nice way to kind of use the tool in a way that they're not directly interacting with it because there are some schools that have banned it that are not yeah. comfortable with it. I heard like the New York city district had banned it. So that's something to be aware of when you're assigning it for homework, make sure there's no like school policies that have come out, but it's so new <laughs> that I think schools just haven't caught up yet. And being aware that this is a tool that your students are probably using. If you're assigning an essay all of a sudden your failing student is making straight A's Maybe there's some reason <laughs> that something is helping them. And so I think teachers could consider having more class time for assignments that they don't have access to the internet to really understand what do the students know, but then embracing it as a tool that can help them with assignments. So it's like this tricky balance. I like that assignment from that English teacher because I think it frames it correctly so that students immediately think, oh, I need to edit whatever is given to me from this like there's going to be a flaw i need to search for that first yeah. so that might be a good way to start is find the errors yeah. or figure out did it actually answer your question or where could this be coming from i i'm trying with my students to get them to be more critical mm -hmm. even of me so i was teaching about sound and they wanted they were so mad at me because <laughs> i wouldn't give them the answer um, it was something really simple. And I was just like, I want you to tell me what you think the answer is. And she said, no, you're the teacher. You need to tell me. And I'm like, but does that mean I'm right all the time? Like they just believe everything I say. And it's a couple things. One, I'm in a university. I, you know, have been given this power by Texas A&M to like represent them and teach this class. So inherently I have some authority. I have an engineering background, like all these things make them see me as the expert in everything. And when we're talking about electricity, they stump me a few times. I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure. I'm an aerospace engineer. We only <laughs> took a couple of electrical <laughs> classes, right? And they were just like, wait, what? <laughs> you don't know? And I'm like, figure it out. Like go to Google or wherever and ask the questions you want to know and find the answers. So it's like two things. One, encouraging them to be critical of questions and sources and information and two empowering them to find the answer instead of relying on the teacher to give them everything i that's why i love assigning it because i'm like here's a tool to help you help yourself exactly and i think too much of kids these days are used to that instant gratification instant answers they have google in their pocket so yes 
teaching them to be able to explore and discover on their own is key. And that's one way to use this AI, I think. I think that's something that's really beneficial to come out of it is being able to use that back and forth of that conversation to discover what you need. So embrace it, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> that's our take. And I think we should ask ChatGPT to write an intro to this podcast. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So if you're listening to this, go back and think about this intro that you heard before. Written by ChatGPT. I'm about to ask it. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, STEM Space out. Hey, listeners, we want to hear from you. Do you have a quick tip on teaching STEM? Maybe how you store projects, where you get materials, or what not to do. Let us know and we can feature you and your tip on a future podcast episode. Head to vivifystem.com backslash quick tips and let us know your tips for teaching STEM.